everyone this is tapasya and in this audio we are going to learn about nagmandala we'll be critically analyzing this particular play which has been written by girish karnad now nagmandala was published in 1990 originally it was written in kannada and later the dramatist transcreated it into english now nagmandala is a feminist play which not only exposes male chauvinism the oppression of women the great injustice done to them by men and the patriarchal culture but also deflates the concept of chastity the purport of the folk tale is seemingly to uphold the institution of marriage it turns the unhappy married life of rani into a happy one however at the same time owing to its inherent quality of of subversion the same folk tale deconstruct the idea that fulfillment of love and desires is found within the sacred predicts of married life so is the fulfillment achievable within the marriage or outside it is the question concealed with the very framework of hayavadana as well as nagmandala now if you interpret the meaning nagmandala is a folk tale that transformed into the metaphor of married women it is a chinese box story with two folk tales transformed into one fabric where myth and superstitions fact and fantasies instinct and reason the particular and the general blend to produce a drama with universal evocations the predicaments of rani as exposed in the name is deplorable than of a maid the name rani ridicules at the indian idols of womanhood as the rani or lakshmi of the household now as virginia wolf asserts in a room of one's own imaginatively she is of importance practically insignificant she pervades poetry from cover to cover is all but absent from history now if we talk about the phases of womanhood portrayed in nagamandala you will see that the women portrayed 
as the dependent in all the three phases of her life as a daughter where rani is being depending on her parents as a wife she is again reliable on apanna and as a mother kurudavas handicap without kapanna so in indian society the woman is said to be complete only after marriage however paradoxically she neither belongs to this world of her house or that that is her parents home or her husband's adobe so for the women the house is said to be an expression of her freedom it is her domain however rani is imprisoned in her own house by her spouse in a routine manner that baffles others with the door locked from outside she does not shut the door behind her like nora does in a doll's house but god opens a door for her in form of a king cobra the king cobra gets seduced by the love potion provided by kurudava to rani to lure pathetically her own husband who turns a blind eye to her the snake assumes the form of a loving apanna in contrast to the artokius husband at day the climax is reached with when rani becomes pregnant and apanna questions her chastity her innocence is proved by virtue of the snake ordeal that the village elders put before her and she is eventually proclaimed a goddess incarnate now if we try to critically comment on apanna in nagamandala we will we would see that apanna literally means any man and points to the metaphor of a man in general his sovereign chauvinistic stance and towering dominance to the extent of suppressing a woman's individuality rani endeavors to discover her individuality by seeking refuge in dreams fair tales and fantasies to escape the sordid reality 
of her existence at an age where the typical fantasy would be a sultan or prince coming on horseback rani's flight of imagination transports her to a seventh heaven where her parents wait for her now critics show her the body of a sight of confinement violence regulation and communication of the victimized gender that is self and they also point out how she later uses the same body to rebel to subvert and to negotiate her space in society apanna possesses her as an adulterous woman whereas he himself has an explicit relation with a concubine he and his hypocritical society questions rani's chastity and side steps the validity of apanna's principles this is just a minicules which has been mandatory to establish the purity of a woman while a man's mere word is taken for the truth so whether it is sita shakuntala or rani in this instance now if you appreciate the author for this play you'll remark the identity of the tales in general about their reality of being and their continuance only on being passed on the objectivity leads us to perceive the story as concept with its own existence and identity and to emphasize its individuality it is personified in form of woman in this case v rangan says a story is born and grows it has life each story has an independent existence and a distinctive character all story or all storytellers are ancient marines 
cursed to keep the story alive the story seems to echo that in order to live a story has to be told and retold that is the story has no role without the listener or perceiver and cannot help thinking that whether the author is stressing the reader's role in constructing meaning or phenomenology the reader response theory questions the endurance of the author's viewpoint that has no existence without the reader's perception being told and retold is nothing but interpretation and reinterpretation therefore any literary piece is only an object without the reader breathing meaning into it so for the story to survive it must be ultimately passed on the drop back of the flames emphasizes the idea of passing on otherwise the flames in the story were attributed with not having the quality of passing on however this is what they were precisely doing at the outset therefore passing on has a wider ramifications here that merely physically transmitting again the playwright is a man and the story is personified as a woman so does man create woman however the playwright echoes that story has an auto autonomous existence and love by virtue of interpretation and reinterpretation likewise a woman has her own existence and lives by virtue of meaningful procreation thus the gist of the framework of the story 
runs parallel to the theme of the main story as rani's role gets inverted at the end of the story and apanna turns into a mere instrument to prove her divinity likewise roles get reversed as the playwright a man who tells stories listens to the story a woman now apanna has a split personality according to this uh, story the playwright hits the nail on the head when he asserts at the outset that the idol is broken so that the presiding deity of the temple cannot be identified apanna is the king of his castle a supreme egoist he is the prototype of indian masculinity that asserts itself by arresting the spouse selfhood within the four walls of the house apanna literally cages her wife cages his wife in his dwelling as she is subject to unmerited abuses and the intentions naga or snake with all its phallic connotations typifies the sexual side of apanna it is the other side of apanna which he himself cannot bring to acceptance for his sexual impulses for him is being submissive to his wife therefore though these two aspects are completely disjoint they are there are two sides of the same coins heads and tails heads the ego and tails the snake following its instincts that naga is apanna 
from a very outset or from the beginning of the naga's entrance now how does naga revisits these facts so from act 2 we would understand that when naga says locked up in house all day you must be missing your parents so this offer ample proof that naga is none other than apanna as rani cannot and has no scope for communication with outsiders naga is apanna at night he stood to the limit of coaxing rani for his own in instinctual needs he renders himself loving and soothing at night so paradoxically he sets a watch dog against his own self at night this symbolically represents the god he sets against his own instinct that proves to be futile therefore the tussle with himself he gets defeated without accepting defeat and the scar remains the husband who inflicts injury at day becomes the pharmacon or at night the spouse who is the master at day becomes submissive to his wife at night against his own will so in this bt sita states that instinct as a creative force reigns supreme in the class or place of karnad so let's say that the husband decides on the day visits and the wife on the night visits so if we talk about uh, these things however we'll understand that the subconsciousness of mind the knowledge remains the knowledge of duality the dissociative disorder still remains he does not want to face question as to the existence of his quality and it is sometimes that he would prefer to deny than accept a mirror to his split is too much for him to digest the shielding of him 
from the mirror is the fact so for rani this is decisive point the mirror stands for the crucial point of self realization that apanna's exclusive interest in her is purely sexual this is why she retreats and refrains from making love to him when she sees his reflection in the mirror she comprehends that there is no behavioral patterns of apanna manifesting itself like while asking rani to adhere the unquestioning obedience naga he says that when i come and go at night don't go out of the room don't look out of the window and don't even ask me why about it so these are the unquestioning obedience or obedient questions now rani likens herself to the whale but does not know why she thinks herself to be a creature without any rational par only with the basic instincts she is now even attributed the power to think and is caged like an animal in short she does not possess any persona or any identity her singularity is defined in terms of her husband's whims and fancies there are various references to animals to exemplify the predominance of the instincts or impulse the death of the dog implies the death of his will or you would say will power and therefore you'll see the dog that was initially brought for human intruder proves to be futile so on the death of the dog he buys a mongoose as a guard is a mongoose a guard of human intruders certainly not i guess however it is for the snake or apanna's sexual self that he sets a watch dog at the beginning itself the mongoose is evidence enough it says that the mongoose has given a tougher fight 
because the mongols has no sign of him for the next several days and when he does arrive his body was covered with wounds that had only partly healed now consciously if we see naga is not aware of apanna and apanna refuses to acknowledge naga perhaps self awareness does not creep in at the climax when it most obvious to us now if you come to the climax of the story you'll see that she turns away naga takes the steps to go they both freeze the light change sharply from night to midday in a flash naga becomes apanna pushes her to the floor and kicks her so what exactly we are finding in nag mandala is there are identity crises so here the patriarchal hierarchy is explicit in expressionist term for apanna the fact that his wife has committed adultery is more acceptable to conscious mind than the fact himself is naga for outsiders the snake ordeal is test to prove the chastity of rani however in reality the rest is for apanna to ascertain whether he himself is naga when the test ultimately does prove positive the truth drones that is apanna is equal to naga and therefore he had submitted to rani and therefore she has triumphed over him and it elevates to the status of goddesses hence a more domesticated humble naga we should also remember that the playwright has proposed three ending for this particular play so in the first they lived happily ever after both naga and apanna fuse into one on one self realization second ending is naga suicides for one of the two selves to survive coherently the other must suicide 
or an emotional suicide you would say the third ending is both naga and apanna coexist and the history repeats so finally we'll see that some critics questioning the identity of the play itself that is nagamandala as a folk play like uh, jos george asserts that there is indeed a marginal difference between the real lore of the folk and the lore that what is represented and constructed as folklore he utilizes the term fake lore to address the latter so he defines folklore as that which represents the life of the people in close communion with nature and that which is orally transmitted now fake lore on the other hand is represented of folklore by outsiders for a specific purpose therefore while folklore is the signifier of the signified fake lore is the signifier of a signifier of a signified so if you remember um jack darida if you remember uh, ferdinand sejor you'll remember the sign signifier and signified it is a fake drama in representation according to jos george it reminds one of the plato's theory of idea as something twice removed from reality so however carnard himself counters this when he says drama is not for me a means of self expression but drama can be the production of meaning also so the story has an autonomous existence now when we conclude it so to conclude that girish karnath's play nagmandala as a split personality and identity crisis it interprets the ancient themes in modern context like yayati the common man of today is grouped in the darkness of material and sensual pleasures he finds himself in the world in which old spiritual values have been entirely swept away and the new spiritual values are yet to be discovered so the so if we find uh, girishkarnath's interpretation of the old myth on the exchange of ages between father and son puzzled and angered 
conventional crises but the enlightened or enlightened uh, readers and critics appreciated it for its modernity now it was originally written in canada and now it has been translated into english so mrs p krishnaveni had tried to uh, judge it as a comparative study of myth and folk elements in girish karnats nagamandala and hayavadana okay and if we uh, understand or know much about uh, this particular play we need to understand that in nagamandala the snake changes into a man where uh, you know the theme in this play also reveals the upanishads principles that visualize the human body as a symbol of organic uh, relationship or the part to the whole so it sacrifices also or uh, you would say sacrifices also form of part of such religious practices as seen in the oblivations of the self physicals and you'll also see that the snake ordeal that rani undergoes in nagamandala or the spiritual thoughts and wisdom inherent in a religion are also incorporated into the themes of this play so since we have understood what nagamandala is and how critically it could be analyzed let me talk about our playwright that is girish karnad now girish karnad was a hodes scholar at oxford he has served as a director of the films and television institution of india he was also the chairman chairman of the sangeet natak academy and he was the director of the nehru center london so the most important thing to uh, remember is that he has received the sahitya academy award and he had uh, received it uh, at a janpeet and this is known to be one of the highest distinction for lifetime contribution to literature and he has also been decorated with uh, padma bhushan so as a career as a dramatist he has been paralleled by an equally celebrated career 
as an actor screenwriter and director of the film and television and this play has brought karnataka sahitya academy award of 1989 for karnad in the category of the most creative work of the year now this play nagamandala was been directed by vijaya mehta in german and in the festival of india in germany in 1992 and it was performed at the university theater of chicago and subsequently at the theater in minneapolis as a part of 30th anniversary celebration in 1993 So what we have seen is the play Nagamandala is been divided into a prologue and two act and it is based on two folk tales of Kannada So to sum up the audio we need to understand about Nagamandala and its prologue that there is a deep symbolic significance of a setup of the flames ruined temples story and man okay because the flames are representing the evils that prevailed in the society and society is made up of individuals and if individuals are not good in characters and nature definitely the society will be f- filthy and you'll also see that how modern people are becoming miser losing respect to the parents and elders and blocking to communicate the cultural and traditional heritage to the next generation and at the same time the ruined temple symbolizes the decaying structure of the society where the morals and ethics are vanishing day by day So interestingly we have seen that man in this scene shown by the playwright represents that still reforms are possible it is the play that the man has to awake one whole night and only then he can save his life so what is the symbolizing 
it is symbolizing the modern generation who is standing at the 11th hour of its demise so the playwright symbolically suggest that if modern men connect themselves with their roots they can survive and karnad presents the appealing states of women in the indian society and in the story and the theme of nagmandala is been taken from the folk tale which he heard from ak ramanujan so ramanujan talked about a prince whose extreme mistrust of women prevent him for any women and who encounter with the women's desire for love the ramanujan writes about the tale as many as 40 variants but the central theme of this tale is as ramanujan has remarked that is narcissism of the self involved hero who undergoes a test put to him by the wife in order to survive so the psychological inadequacy that the young man is caught in to prevent his self transcendence or causing acute lack of understanding and communication between him and the women so what exactly we are learning is there is an instill of alienation effect by driving the material of the play from the folk tales and also by using the non materialistic techniques so i believe you might have understood the audio where we have learned how naga is the indian mythology and even the indian tale which is referred to the power of creation so that's all for this audio thank you so much for listening this audio